0: It's in January and February of 2020, 2020, uh, we began a series on what was uh, called the Exeter Christian Reformed Church Playbook. This series was actually never completed because we then went into Lent 2020, and then COVID 2019, and then time slept by to get us here now to July 2021. So the Exeter Christian Reformed Church Playbook asks and answers four questions ...that are important to any organization, and in in our situation, that organization is a church. And if you're a guest here, or listening online as a guest, uh, this can be applied to any of the churches. So three questions that were asked and answered last year were this. Why do we exist? How do we behave? What do we do? And the fourth question this morning, it complements the Holy Spirit sermon series that we've been going through... And the fourth question is, how will we succeed? The fourth question answers, our answer to the fourth question, is that we will succeed by being spirit-led. The answer goes on to state that we will be spirit-led in building unity among each other, in corporate worship and prayer, and being active participants in our communities and in the church. But this morning, we will be looking at the general answer to this question what it means to be spirit led, according to Galatians 5 13 to 26, as we read it this morning. And as we read this passage this morning, listen for similar phrases such as walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step by the Spirit. Spirit led. Spirit-led is knowing that God, through the Holy Spirit of Jesus, is at work in us, and we can respond by partnering with him in this ministry and kingdom work. So how can we, a church, Exeter Christian Reformed Church, succeed? We will succeed by being Spirit-led. So before we read this passage this morning, let's come to our God in a time of prayer, that uh, we will be open to the Spirit's promptings at this time. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word and for opportunities to read and study and hear your word preached. Bless the preaching and the listening, and bless our response as we strive to be Spirit-led, not only one hour on Sundays, but each hour and each day. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Galatians 5, 13 through 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say... fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, often referred to as patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, we keep in step with the Spirit. And let's not become conceited, provoking provoking, and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, often in our country of Canada, we talk about Freedoms. We enjoy freedoms of speech, freedom of worship and religion, freedom of peace or freedom from fear, freedom to assemble and to gather. And today Paul states in verse 13 that you, brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And Paul speaks of a fifth freedom. Paul speaks of freedom from ourselves, or in other words, freedom from our sinful nature. Or even a better way of putting it is, we have freedom in Christ. And Paul states that we should have freedom. And yet, when it comes to having freedom, this doesn't mean a free for all. So freedom really has limitations. Or maybe, better put, freedom has expectations. For example, freedom of speech does and should exclude hate speech. Freedom of speech would mean that one would not hurt others with their speech. So in this passage, Paul sets some good limitations on freedom in Christ. He says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Do not use your freedom to be a jerk. Do not use your freedom for gratifying your own personal cravings and desires. You see, there is a limitation. Rather, our freedom is given to us so that we may serve one another humbly in love. Do you hear the expectation? There's an expectation. Our freedom is given to equip and assist us in loving our neighbor. Now, to a certain degree, all freedom has limitations, more expectations and it should. Our freedom in Christ expects us to use our freedom for the other. We're to use our freedom for our neighbor. Freedom is a gift, and it comes with limitations and responsibility. Perhaps you can look at freedom like a fish in water. A fish can only live in water. A fish will die if it remains on the land. But has the fish lost its freedom because it cannot live in land? Is a fish a slave to the water? Or does the fish actually have freedom in the water? Well, if the fish is is out of the water, it will surely die. So a fish in the water may appear to have limitations. It shouldn't go on land. But yet, it actually has ultimate freedom. Our God gives us the Holy Spirit. He graciously gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can walk in freedom in the the way of the Spirit, so that we can flourish and we can thrive in a life of freedom and one that humbly serves and loves our neighbors. And so as we read this passage this morning, there's a tension that's created There's a tension, or as Paul even uses the word, he uses the word conflict between the spirit and the desire of the sinful nature. Or the other word that's often interchangeably um, is desire of the flesh. So sinful nature, flesh, it's used interchangeably. Basically, there's a tension of are you going to be free in the spirit or are you going to be a slave to sin? So after establishing that we have freedom, in verse 17, Paul states that the spirit of the flesh, they are in conflict with one another. And then this tension is repeated in similar words in verse 18. If you are led by the spirit, if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Freedom in Christ means that you have freedom from the law. But we are still called to follow the law and serving one another humbly. It says that right here. And so again, our freedom is not a free for all. Now there's a conflict or a war that's going on in this passage. And our sinful nature, according to verse 15, will result in biting and devouring one another or even destroying one another. Pretty strong words here. If we're not walking by the Spirit, we will not serve or love our neighbor. Our sinful nature desires, that, desires things that are contrary to the Spirit. So our sinful nature and the Spirit, as you can see, are at conflict with one another. Now during this time period, there was a strong emphasis on the law and keeping the law. And the people were striving to follow the law. And by keeping the law, this meant that they were striving to do good. But again, we read that the law and the spirit, they're in conflict with one another. The spirit gives freedom, the law enslaves. Now this passage may sound somewhat contradictory, because again, the focus of Paul's statement is not on the law, but on love. And in a sense, loving your neighbor, we could probably see it as a law. But he's not, this passage is not about us doing the law. Rather, it's about loving your neighbor as a response to what God does, to what God has done for you. So it's not about doing the law, but as Paul says, it's about fulfilling the law. The law is fulfilled when you are in step with the Holy Spirit of Jesus. So Paul refers to being under the law, meaning the law does not bring about freedom. People cannot possibly live their lives according to law because it's impossible for people to keep the law. There would be this continued failure. And if there was an attempt to do one's best, it still amounted to nothing. Because even a a, a good person who lived under a law could not be saved without Jesus and the Holy Spirit of Jesus pointing us to Jesus. Jesus. A good person who lived under the law was not free. This person is still as good as they are, they're still enslaved to the law. Again, we mentioned that there's this war going on between the law, the flesh, the sinful desire and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of freedom. Now, important rule to know, important rule in war is to know your enemy. What this means is that in battle, the leader will want to know what or who they are up against. Know your enemy. Know your opponent. Some of you folks are uh, getting into sports again, finally, uh, this summer. Knowing your opponent is similar in sports. The more you know your opponent, the more you can play your strategy against them. And this is the premise that Paul is going on here too. Know your enemy. Because there's this battle that's going on in Galatians 5. A battle against good and evil. A battle against freedom and slavery. A battle against our spirit and flesh. And again, according to verse 17, this conflict is occurring so that you will not do whatever you want. Freedom has limitations. It has expectations. It's not a free-for-all. When you know your enemy, you will do what it takes to not allow the enemy to win. So verse 19, Paul lists 16 acts of sinful nature, ranging from sexual immorality to anger to drunkenness, and the list goes on. The sinful nature results in a loss of inheritance. One will not inherit the kingdom of God. When enslaved to the sinful nature and the law, But in contrast to our sinful nature and knowing who our enemy is, it's also important to know our ally. The Holy Spirit is our ally. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us. As believers and followers of Jesus, Christians do not have the Holy Spirit as a weapon. We have the Holy Spirit. We have him as a powerful resource. And as stated earlier in the passage of Romans during our time, words of assurance, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that is at work in you. Powerful stuff. We're then given commands by God through Paul live by the spirit, walk by the spirit. And Paul summarizes this and emphasizes love your neighbor. Again, when we live by the flesh, we live by a sinful nature, we're going to devour one another. It'll be a me first, it'll be self centered. We're going to destroy each other, as this passage says. When we walk and live by the Spirit, we will love one another. You see, we don't need the law because our response will be one of fulfilling the law. And this latter part of Galatians 5 describes the freedom that we have when we walk in the Spirit. And this, this freedom, it's what is referred to as sanctification. Um, for those of you who may have, I think it was a couple weeks, maybe two or three weeks ago, we referred to sanctification a couple weeks ago and, in a message. And it, it, Sanctification is more than just being a nice person, and, and sanctification is more than just living a good life. But sanctification is a process of holy living, Sanctification is a process of being made holy. It is a desire to live like Jesus. And since the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus, the Holy Spirit also points us to live like Jesus. So sanctification is also a process that involves action. It involves an active, active two parties. It involves the Holy Spirit actively working in the lives of the people, And it involves us actively cooperating with the work of the Holy Spirit. It involves both parties. It involves us walking in the Spirit. So the Spirit is active, is actively involved in our lives through a moment-by-moment control by the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have freedom. But remember, our freedom is in the Spirit. It's a total guidance by the Spirit. It's like a fish living in water. It has limitations, again, that it cannot live on the land. We have limitations that the Spirit will guide us so that we stay away from the sinful nature, so that we will know our enemy and know that we have a powerful ally. The Spirit is actively involved in the life of the believer, and the believer Is an active participant as well. And people are called to make a choice to be led by the Spirit or to be led by the acts of the sinful nature. It is a conscious choice by people. As believers, we're not just helpless spectators, we're not just merely passive creatures. When it comes to choosing between the Spirit and the flesh, believers are active decision makers. God gifts his people with the Spirit and empowers his people to live Spirit-filled lives. So Jesus, through his Spirit, is renewing us to be like himself. And Paul provides the people with evidence of belonging to Christ. And this evidence of living in the Spirit is what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit guess this, Leo, is all the other stuff was that heavy stuff, and now it's getting lighter? Okay, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit now. Leo referred to a lot of that. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Again, forbearance, but also known as patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, just as I didn't go through every aspect of the sinful nature, I'm not going to go through each of the fruit of the Spirit. There are, however... A few things to point out about this list. First, note that these are not fruits. They're not fruits of the Spirit, but it's fruit of the Spirit. It's singular, it's fruit. The person who walks in the Spirit will reflect a Christ like life and a Christ like character based on these nine elements. The fruit of the Spirit is a picture of what the Holy Spirit produces in the life of the believer. The fruit is the whole package and characterizes who we are in Christ. Now, I also want to say that the fruit of the Spirit is also different than the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, they're completely different things. Next week, we'll be speaking on the gifts of the Spirit. We'll hear more about that. But again, the fruit is singular. The gifts are plural. The fruit is a picture of what the Holy Spirit produces in the believer whereas the gifts are distributed by the Holy Spirit to people in different quantities and a a variety of gifts. You may have one gift, but you won't have another, but somebody else will have that other, or maybe even the same other gift. You can have multiple gifts, and our gifts change from time to time. The fruit of the Spirit does not. Every believer will have the fruit, and you can't pick and choose your fruit the Holy Spirit gives you the whole package, the whole fruit. Now, having the fruit, having this fruit, having the fruit of the Spirit does not mean that the believer has arrived and reached their goal. Again, the fruit of the Spirit ties into the sanctification. It is a process. It's a process that involves the active work of the Holy Spirit and involves the active work and cooperation of the believer, And so the fruit of the Spirit is something that we must continually strive for. God has chosen his sons and daughters out of grace. And once a believer has accepted their inheritance as his child, once we have accepted that we have been chosen by God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we we recognize his amazing grace in our lives. And we can also choose to live a life live a life of freedom by the Holy Spirit. But none of us will have arrived fully with the fruit of the Spirit. But we continue to to intentionally strive and intentionally grow in, in our character. No such thing as saying, that's just the way I am, can't do anything about it. Not true. It's also important to realize that the fruit begins with love. It's no mistake, because love is the basis for everything. We know that God is love, and on account of his love, he gave his one and only son for our sins. We call this a sacrificial love, no conditions attached. When Christ is in us, then we can begin to fathom the sacrificial love that he has for us. And this is the love that we are called to exemplify to God and and to one another, loving our neighbor. Love is the basis of holiness. Love is the foundation of the fruit of the Spirit. And following this list of nine, verse 23 follows with a statement that there's no law for such things. There's no law for the fruit of the Spirit. Remember that the law and the Spirit are in conflict with one another. And Paul reinforces that no law is required when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit are to be desired. And when you walk in the Spirit and desire the fruit of the Spirit, you don't need a law to obey. But rather, you will be fulfilling the law, you will be loving your neighbor. And when you are filled in this, with the spirit and loving your neighbor, I think Scripture's clear that this means that you are loving the Lord, your God, with all your heart, strength, mind and soul." So this passage continues with the phrase in verse 25. "Let us keep in step with the Spirit. If we are in step with the Spirit, we reflect the fruit. The commandments of Christ will be kept. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will love God. We will love one another. Keep in step with the Spirit. And our fruit will become a testimony of our faith. It will show to those around us that God is dwelling in us. That we are his children. That that he leads us by his Spirit. God, through the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, has chosen us. And he's transforming us more and more to be like Jesus. And he has chosen us to be transformed for him. And we are to be willing to accept this transformation. By God's grace, He calls us to leave the works of the sinful nature, leave them behind us. By God's grace, He calls us to live by the Spirit so that we can live out the fruit of the spirit. And when you fall short in striving for the fruit of the spirit, and yes, we will fall short, this can be a reminder of God's grace. It's not that bad deeds will condemn us or good deeds will save us. It is God's good deed through Christ that saves us. And he has forgiven us for all our sins. Walk in the spirit and know that you are forgiven in Christ. You have freedom in Christ. Our behavior and our character will flow out of God's gift of grace as we live out the fruit of the Spirit, and we do that together as a community. So how will we succeed? We will be Spirit-led. Enjoy the freedom that you have in Christ and use that freedom to humbly serve and love others around you. Continue to walk, continue to be led, and continue to stay in step with the Holy Spirit of Jesus. And together we say, Amen.